Hey, you're listening to the Pie Guys, okay? I'm giggling to myself because I feel the same way, and I, all of it, all of those, like, oh, yeah, I I would have never thought that, and that's such an over-the-top characterization of, of a dad. That's such a dad move to have a noise that accompanies every fucking thing you do, but that's what happens now. Like if it's, not, <laughs> it's not a vocal noise. It's a, it's, it's a part of my body that makes a noise. Yep. Yep. Like my, my ankle will sometimes do a weird creak. Yep. Weird parts of my body that I'm like, Oh, they're just old and rusty. Like if you thought of your body as this structure rather than like you and you, you, you go, why is my ankle making that noise? It's like, you don't fucking do anything with it. <laughs> right. You don't stretch yeah. it. You don't, you know what I mean? So right. your body starts reminding you how long it's been since the last time you used it sometimes. Dude, it's a hundred percent worse underwater. Like when I'm, <laughs> when I'm able to, uh, I like to get my exercise by swimming. Like there was a, a long stretch there, obviously before the world fell apart where I was going to the gym and swimming laps. And, um, when I was younger, I was on the swim team. You, I wouldn't hear anything. It was just, you swim. And now when I get into the pool and I start swimming, you can hear everything underwater. It sounds like somebody walking over broken glass. There's just all these creaks and cracks and all this. I'm like, wow, I'm really falling apart here. It's, (laughs) it's really bad, but Hey, you know, what can you do? Rage against the dying of the light. Who's that again? Uh, well, I, it's a it's a quote from. I wish I was more Ill- intelligent and, and eloquent to actually quote the original quote, but they use the quote in uh, Interstellar. Oh, but that's I, right. It kept I, coming I, up I in that. It's it, like a I running theme. Like think Michael- it, maybe it's Shakespeare. I'm not sure. I'm I'm not that eloquent. Um, Michael Caine added that, right? Yes, Michael Caine said that. Yeah. But I mean, he's quoting a poet. I don't know if it's Shakespeare or not, but right, we shouldn't I'm, ex- I'm excited about this uh, this topic. I mean, you and I have already kind of agreed upon what it is that we're going to talk about, but I have something else I want to I want to tease something that we can't really dive into until Shane is with us. Okay, it, it would feel wrong to to really dissect it before he's a part of the conversation, but I at least want to tease it. Um, and then I have another thing that I was unaware about that's big, big Batman news um, that I want to, I want to chit chat with you about very briefly before we get into the, uh, the main event here. Okay. But um, yeah, I'm excited to say the least. Well, do you want to, uh, while I'm still finalizing this order, do you want to kind of set the stage then as to, uh, as to this particular summoning of the pie guys? Um, well, yeah, I mean, it, I, it doesn't, we don't need to discuss it before and we don't need to do like a pre-interview type of situation. Um, you just let me know as soon as you feel like we've kicked off the, uh, the episode and I'll get right into it. I, I, I'll, I'll be quick. I don't mean to fucking direct the, uh, the episode. I mean, obviously you're kind of in the driver's seat with these things. Um, but there, uh, there have been a couple of things that have popped up on my radar. One, one in particular that popped up on my radar yesterday that I just want to spend maybe five minutes chit chatting about, and then we'll get into it. No, by all means, man. Uh, it's an open forum here at, uh, on this, on this channel. So, 
um, trying to do this contactless delivery, you know, because of the age of COVID. Oh, right. How, how about that before we really shoot it off? Like what, what sort of, uh, now that we're kind of deep into it, because we kind of had, um, at least Shane and I had had a conversation about what life was like in the early in the early days of COVID. Yeah, yeah, that so, was a part of, that was a part of the one of the episodes you did without me that I, I just got a chance to listen to the first part of it, and um, you guys were talking about Tiger King, which to me feels like it was three years ago by now that tiger king was, <laughs> was the thing right yeah i know it's, it's um, really long that, ago now. it was wild that that was earlier this year it was only a few months ago and um you know for whatever listener is out there obviously if you haven't been able to pick up on it there's a, a bit of a delay in between when we record these and then when they they pop up for you to listen to so it's it's kind of got a little bit of a nostalgic kind of hindsight 2020 uh aesthetic to it but yeah uh, that's a good way of putting it um i mean we're now as we're recording this here in the in mid-july and it looks like we are going into our second wave of shutdown here in the united states of america yes um and it, it does seem like the beginning of this shutdown uh, uh, of you know the whole pandemic situation when tiger king kind of ruled netflix and everyone's consciousness uh that seems like so long ago it seems like we like Another i lifetime. said it was yeah like last year or something but um yeah man i mean I, you guys were saying that at first you know there were a lot of people that weren't taking it as seriously i i took it a little bit more seriously maybe more so than i needed to but um you know i, I don't I don't just live by myself and I have to be concerned for Kimber who has uh, immuno um, issues. And I, you know, I more than likely, I mean, there have been a few cases obviously that have come out there that were, there have been completely uh, healthy young people, not to say that I'm young, but there have been 20 year olds that were tip top shape that ended up dying from this thing. However, the, the chances of me getting it and then dying from it are relatively low because I, I try to keep in good shape and, you know, I, I do okay. But if, if my wife Kimber were to get it, it would be a, a serious issue. She's already got lung problems. So I have to take it a, a little bit more seriously and, and kind of err on the side of paranoia at times. Um, like when, when it first started and we didn't know, whether or not this virus could survive for long periods of time on surfaces, which has since been uh, debunked and kind of alleviated. We were going to the grocery store maybe once a month and buying in bulk and uh, literally taking our groceries out to the car and we would Clorox wipe all of them down before putting them in our own grocery bags and then put them in the car, right? It was to that level. Um, but luckily, it seems like the science, good science has come out to say, like, eh, it doesn't really survive for a long period of time on surfaces. So even if you do buy a bag of chips and there might be uh, a, a COVID spore on the bag, by the time you got it home and then actually got to those chips, more than likely it would be dead on that thing. So you don't need to be doing that anymore. However, um, you know, I do wear a mask every time I leave the house, even to walk the dogs. Um, uh, I've, I've since loosened up a little bit on going out. I, I, I took the dog to um, Santa Barbara dog beach uh, this past weekend. 
and there were people around and I didn't have a mask on only because I was at the beach and that dog beach in particular doesn't really get crazy crowded where there's people on top of people. It's just, you know, you'll cross paths with someone. It's more of like a, you walk up and down the beach with your dog kind of a thing. Um, and it wasn't so crowded that I felt like it was a huge risk. So, um, you just try and keep six feet away from other people and just be considerate. Um, you know, it's, it's a weird, crazy time, but I'm not as much of an extrovert as Shane is. I know Shane was talking about like, this is his worst nightmare having to stay in mm -hmm. all the time. Yeah. Um, I, I think I fall somewhere in the middle, maybe favoring a little bit of the introvert. Like I truly genuinely value my time to myself and I seem to prefer that to going out to the, you know, traditional, let's go to a bar and let's go, or let's, I'm way over the nightclub thing. I was done with that in my mid twenties. Like, so maybe I've benefited a little bit more than most. I mean, we've certainly had some good video games that have come out during this whole shutdown. I know you and I are going to really get into one in particular, but I mean, Doom Eternal also came out during the shutdown. That ruled my life for about a week and a half to two weeks. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I like, I kind of like having nothing to do other than I'm just going to sit in, mm -hmm. maybe watch a movie or a TV show, mm -hmm. maybe play a video game. All of my evenings always belong to my wife and willingly. I, I like kind of catching up with her, or the rhythm of our day, even though it kind of feels like we're trapped in a Groundhog Day scenario here. Uh, the rhythm of my day usually breaks out into I wake up, I make breakfast, um, I maybe will watch a, a, an episode or two of a TV show. I'll go try and be productive in some fashion, whether it's writing or going for a run or whatever it is. And then I'll come back, play some video games. And then around, I'm going to say typically 4.30 or 5-ish, she and I will start talking about, all right, what are we going to have for dinner? What's the movie for tonight? Are we watching a TV show? Whatever it is. And then from there on out, it's just, all right, we're drinking rosé and, <laughs> and yeah. kind of closing off the evening. So, I, yeah. How about, for, how about for you? How have you been spending the day in, day out? Well, I respect that. First of all, I think that's a good balance. And, and obviously you have, yeah, you're right. You have much more to concern yourself with than say me or maybe even Shane um, on some level because, you, yeah, you do have Camber there and then the dogs, et cetera. And yeah, we've all learned and evolved. It's because if you do go back and listen to that recording, it is kind of an interesting, kind of fun time capsule experience now to be like, it wasn't that long ago, really. We were, it was April ish, I think, when that was happening. Mm -hmm. But like you said, Tiger King feels so long ago that so does April. April feels like <laughs> mm -hmm. April feels like its own video game. Like, do you remember playing through April 2020? Yeah, man. Uh, except there was no April O'Neil. I was really pissed. No, but um, <laughs> uh, so April feels so long ago now that obviously we've adapted and we've learned things about whether it's maybe how dangerous it is, and and, and obviously on a more real world level, the facts are. are are constantly seeming to be distorted. So yeah, we, we don't have to go down that route though. Interestingly, there are some parallels to the real world of, of now and this game that we keep hinting at that we're going to talk about that we can get into at some point, but to yeah. back, back to what you were saying, um, look, it's interesting because people would reach out to me early on during this whole thing. And, uh, every once in a while, just, you know, to check in and be like, how you doing? What's up? Uh, and my sort of patented response that I had it like copied so I could paste it was, 
you know, I've already kind of been living like a hermit for a while. And in some respects, like the whole, looking back, the whole of 2019 was like preparation for this. You know, I was really, <laughs> I was really kind of living a solitary life and, and can relate uh, and kind of uh, sympathize with you on some level, because I, I tend to favor the nights in over the nights out. And especially for the last six years, I had a night designated every week that I knew I was going to go out and be around people and they were going to pay me to go out. But, but still, once you have that like steady thing, I think you should clarify. I know what you're talking about, but somebody who has no idea what you're talking about is like, is Trevor a prostitute? I think you should <laughs> clarify what you mean in a way, in a way. Yeah. You could say I was a prostitute, social a prostitute, a social, social platonic prostitute. Yeah. yeah. I was social lubricant in, in human form. Um, yeah, because once a week for for six and a half years, I would I would host a karaoke night event uh, at a restaurant in Manhattan Beach. And, Super fun, and it was a really fun time. Mm-hmm. And uh, what were we saying about that? Oh yeah, when when you have that designated as like your night out, that that be, that sort of became my night. So I would I would kind of put everything I had into putting on a good show or having fun that night though it often always was at the end of the week, right? So you, you kind of had like the stress of the whole week. So anyway, it, it was like that became my night. Every other night became much more precious because it was like some nights I don't want to go out. I would rather stay in. I would rather do the, the solitary thing. And so when this kicks off, it's kind of like, well, I was already doing that. So yeah. I'm, 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 I feel like I'm... You're uh, more equipped for it or to, to yeah. get through it than somebody who is, I'm not throwing Shane under the bus. Shane's perfectly capable, but there are a lot of people that are kind of more dependent on that, uh, that social um, outlet, right? Mm-hmm. There, there are people that cannot get by unless they hit a bar after work, like Shane was saying, or right. they, you know, they're always out meeting new people constantly. It's, it's been really hard for a lot of people Whereas you and I are a little bit more okay with just going like, all right, well, the rest of the world can go away for a little while. Yes. I have this escapist outlet that I can just kind of dive into, whether that's video games or comic books or movies or a TV show. It's just kind of like, well, I'll just let the world pass by and I'll, I'll see you on the other side of Westworld. You know what I mean? It's Right. Right. Exactly. I Well said. Um yeah, man, that's pretty much been my my world, and just trying to hunker down because I look at it like uh, the the least the, the the smallest footprint I can have right now on the outside world, whether it's coming into contact with people, whether I have to go there or not for groceries, etc. Uh, I, I want to make it as minimal as possible, um, because yes, this could also twenty twenty be a one big sort of danger room experience, learning experience for the next life, the next world. And, and Shane and I did sort of forecast something like that when we talked about it. Uh, and while I definitely don't think it's going to go as starkly mad as The Last of Us, uh, it's interesting if you have ever played any of those games, anybody listening, obviously I know, Chase, you've played both of them now and beaten them, as have I. So that is really the crux of what we wanted to talk about, I think, tonight. Yes. What's this game uh, on an, on some level also uh, get to spoilers. I don't know how you feel. Yeah. about it. So we could do a number of things where we maybe do a non-spoiler segment. That's what I had in mind. I think that I think we should try and talk about generally speaking, our reaction to the game without getting any into any specifics or spoilers for anybody that may be 
uh, does get interested in us talking about it, that they feel maybe they should check it out. Because I do think, um, if, even if you're not into video games, this is a game that you owe it to yourself if you like stories um, or you like um, having your emotions not played with is the wrong word, but like if, if you truly genuinely enjoy when a movie gets you to cry or to feel or to maybe feel angry at all or whatever, like this is something for you. And if you're not good at video games, I, I think that this game more than any other game offers so many accessibility options. Like when I first booted up the game, cause I'm, I'm this kind of guy with something that like this, that I really truly genuinely love and enjoy before I even launched myself into the story. I looked through all the options and stuff and there's a myriad of options that you can toggle to make the game more accessible for you. Even mm-hmm. if you're like, if you're not like Trevor or myself where we play a lot of video games, um, this can, this will allow you to kind of cater it to your, not only skill level, but even your physical abilities like there's there's a whole mode for people that are colorblind. I, that's not something yeah. that you genuinely you normally see in video games, right? So um, I I encourage people to check it out. But before we get into that, okay, uh, I want to tease something really quick um, that uh, I want to talk more about when Shane is is not only caught up but also with us. In that uh, Shane, uh, myself, and you, Trevor, are all pretty big Star Wars fans, right? Yes, and, very, uh, obviously very much so, yes. I don't, I don't want to speak for you or Shane, but I can tell you that for myself, I've been fairly disappointed in uh, Star Wars as a brand for several years. Like I, I now say that the only good Star Wars movies in my mind, there are things about the other ones that I enjoy, but as a, as a whole, as, a, as movies, the only good Star Wars movies are the original trilogy and Rogue One. And I can get into that at a, it, when we talk. Um, I have a I have a whole new viewing order that I do the movies in. Um, that that only includes the original trilogy, Rogue One, and Episode Three. I don't even watch the other what? ones. They're not even a, they're not even a part of my quote unquote Star Wars. But oh again, I want to wait. God. I want to wait for Shane. But with that said. Uh, I was given the opportunity with this shutdown that I had, I had some time to myself in the mornings. So, and I've got Disney plus. So it's like, all right, I'm going to make my way through this clone wars series that everybody keeps talking about. Um, and I, I watched all of that and um, I, I would love to talk more about it when Shane is, is, is uh, on the podcast, but clone wars. And now I've made myself, I've made my way into rebels, which is the, sort of follow-up series it's different but it does continue the the storyline of of rebels or excuse me of clone wars um there are some episodes that if you isolate unto themselves would make better feature films than most of the star wars movies that are out now and i'm talking about the oh. i'm talking about i'm talking about the writing now I, I like a lot of people a lot of star wars fans maybe are like i don't really like cartoons or like even if you like cartoons maybe the, the cartoony style of the Who way the, the fuck doesn't like cartoons though? well They're still full of shit you know what i mean there are there are plenty of star wars fans out there i'm sure maybe more old school than even us that are like i'm not gonna watch a kid's show and it, it is at first definitely a kid's show Okay. Clone Wars is very much at first a kids show. 
Yeah. Um, but eventually, Dave Filoni, who's the the show director on on both of these shows, kind of the creative mind, he's sort of if you know who Kevin Feige is for Marvel, he's sort of slowly becoming that for Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Um, he's behind, along with John Favreau, behind the Mandalorian. If you enjoyed that, that he has such a better sense of what makes a good story and is a massive Star Wars fan that those two things coming together really guards against this kind of fast food corporate view of IP. Whereas, you know, Disney buys up LucasArts and they just go, we need to churn these movies out without really a a plan on a whole trilogy or what story to tell. Let's just, we'll make one. And then if that's successful, we'll make another one. And then we'll make it up. Like if you watch the Disney trilogy, excluding Solo and Rogue One, if you watch episode uh, seven, eight, nine, there's no plan. Clearly they don't, they don't, they're not a trilogy. Right. Um, and again, I digress. Cause I, I want to talk more about this with Shane, but rebels and clone wars before it have a very rich, very deep, storyline that is in for my taste anyway what i wish star wars would continue to be in the features it it's very much in the spirit of the original trilogy uh even when i was a kid watching the original trilogy these these shows take risks with going a little bit dark going a little bit mature it was what as a kid because i love villains what I wanted more of. I wanted more of Vader. I wanted more Sith. I wanted all that. Like these shows go there and play with that. And even, uh, especially with rebels made me as a, a guy who traditionally likes the bad guy made me really like the good guys a lot. I, I typically root for the bad guy, right? To an extent, obviously I'm, I'm not a sociopath, but I'm like, I, I like these characters. I want to see more of them and they're, they're complex and, and, uh, and really cool. So, um, I want to tease a, a conversation coming up uh, with you, me, and Shane talking about like, the state of Star Wars as a whole, but specifically with Clone Wars and Rebels when we go forward. So um, that that's to come. But really quickly, before we move into video game talk, big, big Batman development that I am uh, a little bit late uh, becoming aware of because it happened back in February, um, but Batman comic book news because I don't keep up with the the weekly uh, books. I'm, I'm not an issue-by-issue issue guy anymore. I wait until something big hits the internet and, and word gets to me, and then I go, okay, that's something to, to check out, maybe in a trade paperback with all the collected issues together. But um, with the popularity of Harley Quinn, and, and Trevor, you know how I feel about Joker and Harley Quinn these days, um, but with the popularity of Harley Quinn, she's kind of become her own entity, kind of separate even from the Joker and um, DC comics was like, well, we kind of want, cause it's a couple years ago, Harley split away from the Joker. They had a bad breakup, but she's kind of become her own sort of anti-hero sort of thing. And um, DC was like, well, we, we want that dynamic of Joker having a female sort of companion but we don't want to pull Harley back into it because that's the same old story told over and over again. So uh, back in February of this year, 2020, uh, in uh, Batman Volume 3, this is the third volume now of of Batman comics, uh, they introduced a new character, a new member of the rogues gallery uh, in Punchline. Have you heard of Punchline, Trevor? I have not. 
So punchline, very quickly, I'll give you the, the Cliff Notes version here. Um, Harley is out on her own. Uh, a lot. She messes around a little bit with Poison Ivy here and there, but she's kind of doing her own thing. She's a villain sometimes. She's a hero sometimes, sort of playing that kind of uh, middle area, similar to Catwoman. But Joker um, has become a, a big mob boss, and this college student named Alexis K., uh, has some mental issues, not like giddy, silly, flirty mental issues. Like she's a real psychopath, wants to murder people and takes a liking to the work. I think I know her. Okay. Well, uh, she, she uh, takes a liking to the work that Joker does, admires him uh, as a, what she sees as a professional crazy person, professional psycho. Uh, doesn't have a, a romantic uh, thing with him doesn't doesn't isn't attracted to him physically it's like i look to him as this kind of idol or mentor yeah. so uh using the internet and um and the uh, you know the kind of the dark web she gets in contact with joker and becomes kind of a pen pal with him and he slowly but surely see like he maybe sees her at first as like okay this is a stupid little college kid i can maybe get her to you know bomber school or whatever uh, but uh, eventually teaches her over the internet how to make his laughing gas. And she does it and uh, impresses him with a violent act and now has become his partner. He, she is an underboss to the Joker. No romantic entanglement. She's made it very clear, like she's already come up against Harley and Poison Ivy and Catwoman, and they've all accused her of being Joker's new girlfriend. And she's like, Joker and I are partners, pure and simple. Like, and she's, she's Harley in that she, yes, she does dress like kind of like a clown, but she is not, there's not a smile on her face. She's not giddy and silly and likable. She is a straight up fucking psycho mm. wants to murder people in the streets. Mm. Okay. So it's, it's an interesting way for DC to go with it, especially for somebody like me. That's kind of a little bit done with Joker and Harley. It's a little played out. I feel like the spotlight in Gotham always lands on a clown. There's all these other cool characters. However, um, if they are going to tell another clown story, I'm glad that they're not just doing a clone of Harley and going like, Oh, he's got another silly little blonde girl. That's going to run around with him. It's like, no, this, this chick means business. She wants to put her own little fingerprint on Gotham too. Um, and so, uh, yeah, if, if, if you're interested, I'd, I'd recommend just taking a look online for, uh, punchline is her name. So punchline, uh, punchline. Yeah. The, okay. the name, the okay. name, come, the name <laughs> comes from, well, the, the, uh, the way she says it, the name comes from, um, whenever you tell the joke as in the Joker has been telling <laughs> one, the Joker has been telling one long joke, right. For several years, he's been telling this joke eventually getting to the punchline which is he's going to what he's done results in people like me so he's she's kind I'm of the his, byproduct of the joker therefore right. i am the punchline right she's kind of the uh yeah like you said the byproduct the the end result the offspring so um the evolution yeah. of batman news part of. okay well hold on a second the cook a cook a combo breaker here's the thing yeah. though um because you did mention star wars and we can definitely table a state of star wars talk for the triforce being in 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 together uh but i must say uh, i think that's unfortunate that you shun these other star wars uh um 
episodes or titles purely because it doesn't fit into your version or your edited Star Wars world. And I respect. Uh, well, let, that. let me let me clarify. Let me clarify because I don't want to come off as sanctimonious or um, uh, you know uh, like my opinion is somehow better than anybody's. I, I don't mean to say that. I'm saying for me, when I take in Star Wars in my mind. I I've seen all the movies. I know they exist. I accept right. that they are canon for everyone else. But in for my Star Wars, I don't really feel like I need Episode One or Two. I, even though you lose Maul for Episode One, which he's a huge part of those two comic uh, comic book those two uh, cartoon series I was talking about. Um, I think that. Uh, this will I really have to explain myself more when Shane is here, but um, I, I just don't feel like I need to watch episode one or two. I don't I really it. need to watch uh, episode um, uh, seven, eight, and nine. I just don't. They, they're they look. I get it. You're, especially when it comes to these newer batch of episodes. Certainly after the the Disney takeover, uh, I I've been well spoken. I think even on these recordings that I'm not a fan of them. So I get it on some level. You're definitely preaching to the choir when it comes to the the movies. I would prefer to watch. And I'm not sitting here saying that you're you're thinking your your opinion's better than anybody, but. I know that I personally have this love for the prequels and, and an appreciation, I think, for the brand. But I, too, f- have felt a, a similar uh, sense of disappointment. So on some level, I'm not surprised that uh, a cartoon ha- show or this sort of offshoot title has sort of rejuvenated the brand for you. Because, yeah, if you were just subscribing to the episodes as your as your Star Wars intake, there's a lot left to be desired. And these other shows often have the perfect opportunity or these one-offs like Rogue One have the perfect opportunity to explore another avenue of the universe and shine a light on, on an alleyway over here that we would otherwise not know about. And that's what makes it more beautiful. And anytime we talk about Star Wars, I'm going to take advantage of that as a fan of Farscape. Shout out Farscape again, I just want to say. That's fair. That's because, fair. Because again, Star Wars gets gets the attention it it main, it dominates that that conversation of space everything is ultimately compared to star wars whether it's star sure. trek whether it's battlestar galactica whether it's pick one There's right a myriad of space bound star placed shows and for my money if somebody said there can be only one if there was a highlander like tournament and it ended in only one surviving i would cast my vote for Farscape and um, for all of the brilliance of Star Wars. And that's obviously something we can, we will talk about more with Shane. Uh, Farscape is on par with it on, on, I think on any level, if you want to talk about story, if you want to talk about character development, if you want to talk about originality, if you want to talk about uh, imagination and, and making it feel like, it's the first time you've experienced these stories, then Farscape is where you should go. Because if anyone's out there listening or they're looking because the quarantine is going to last for fucking forever and you're wondering, man, I've run out of shows. I need to, I need to add something to my queue. Hit up Amazon Prime. This isn't an ad read, by the way, though, if, if Bezos wants to drop a few coins into our e-bank. He can afford it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Amazon has Farscape for free. So um, there's more reasons to love Farscape. You don't need a subscription. So, 
Uh, and, 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 and finally, I do want to uh, surprise attack you. I'm oh. going to jump out of the bushes, yeah. throw down a smoke bomb. And I just want to sit here and I want to say, look, sir, there was a time that um, you, you made some, this stance. You cast this power gauntlet out there into the masses about the Dark Knight Rises oh. and how it's a horrible movie. And I'm here to tell bad, you that. And I'm here to movie. tell you. I'm here to tell you and anybody that's listening that um, I'm picking a fight with you now, son. Okay. Because, because what you all need to pay attention to going forward as we, as we soldier on into the next world and, and evolve and live onward and more Batman stories come out. There's bigger Batman news coming. There's video games on the horizon. There's TV shows. There's et cetera. There's all these great things for comic book fans and for Batman fans specifically to like that is coming towards us like, like, uh, now and forever. Now and forever. There will always be new Batman stuff. Always, because he endures and he is the greatest. He's the GOAT. But Agreed. As time goes on, we also have everything behind us that we use as essentially the landscape and the barometer of the world of Batman. And I just want to pause it out there to you that uh, as time goes on, The Dark Knight Rises only elevates itself only rises further and further above the landscape of everything that has done in batman like if there was a cityscape of 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 memorable indelible impressionable unforgettable batman moments in his career the dark knight rises is up there with the rest i'm not saying it's the greatest of all time it's the best one of these because that conversation is is for another time and i don't know that that can even be settled upon but if you were looking at a cityscape of all the buildings that really rose above the rest of Gotham and, and, and were like the signature buildings of its skyline, like, like the Empire State Building, et cetera, I think the Dark Knight Rises has one that's up there. I mean, Wayne Tower obviously is still over there. And if you zero in on it and you snapshot it in Arkham Asylum, you get a little trophy. But you might also see the Dark Knight Rises building up there because it belongs in that category of the greatest Batman contributions of all time. You see, I, I, I have to disagree with you. Um, I think that it's beautiful that people have different opinions and everyone's entitled to their own opinion. Um, however, I think the only thing that time has succeeded in doing f for me and the Dark Knight Rises is that it, the pain has subsided a little bit. It's, it's kind of like when you, when you get dumped. Uh, when it first happens, it's crushing. It's a crushing blow. You can't talk or think about anything else. Mm -hmm. It's the only thing on your mind. I, you're just so heartbroken. But as mm -hmm. time goes on, that pain never entirely goes away. You're always going to remember it. You could be driving to work or in the shower and out of nowhere, unprompted, a memory just blips up and it, you're forced to audibly just go, ah! and just remembering it. <laughs> That to me is what the Dark Knight Rises is now that I think about Batman maybe, you know, uh, definitely more than I should. But, you know, once a day at least mm -hmm. yes. I think about Batman. And if that, that thought hard. train eventually leads to my some of my favorite movies, not my favorite movies, but some of my favorite movies in Batman Begins and The Dark Knight, inevitably the, the taste of them is soured by, eh, they just didn't stick that landing. I have the same feeling for the Mass Effect trilogy. It's like, oh, the first one and the second one and three quarters of the of the third one, but they just didn't stick the landing. Whereas at least with Mass Effect, I got three quarters of a good game. With The Dark Knight Rises, I think I was done with the movie by 20 minutes into it when, when um, Alfred told me how the movie was going to end. 
like this we'll have to save this for a different because we'll never get to what the main thing we want to talk about about tonight but suffice it to say i acknowledge your love for the dark knight rises i respect you as a batman fan and as a person and a man i disagree with you on this this very hard line in the sand that uh that dark knight rises is a good movie because to me it's not even an acceptable movie Mm. so well we'll have to we'll have to uh, kick mm. kick let's kick that can further down the road. I would like to talk to you about um I'll just say it now, my favorite video game of all time, which is The Last of Us Part 2. I have been so affected by what this game has succeeded in doing because it definitely tried to do this. Um it has transcended video games and we we'll get into Spoiler talk down the line. Uh, spoiler free talk for now, um, but um, and, and we'll definitely give you a heads up when we're going to get into spoilers. But this game is a piece of artwork. It uh, it it uses the medium of video games to transcend just an entertaining experience and becomes a platform for discourse and to have kind of an, uh, an experience experiment with what video games can do more than movies because movies really at the end of the day is as affecting as they can be at at manipulating your emotions to get a point across or to deliver a message. They're still passive experiences. And um, that's something that Neil Druckmann, the game director of, of um, last of us one and two acknowledges that Game developers have a unique tool at their disposal, which is that they are an interactive medium and they can affect you more in certain ways than a movie or even a book or any of those things that a television show ever can because they are requiring of you to participate and to kind of, even if you uh, don't relate to a character you still have to sort of empathize with them in that you are now controlling them. You start to subconsciously. Um, are you talking about Abby. We'll get to it. We'll get to it. But mm. um, it, it, more than Abby, I, I mean, it, she, they do it with Ellie as well. Um, but you owe it to yourself if you own or have access to a PlayStation um, and uh, somebody who's got this game. You need to sit down. I mean, it, it, it kind of requires you to play The Last of Us before you get into The Last of Us 2. Um, you can enjoy The Last of Us 2 without playing The Last of Us, but it, it, I don't think the the weight of it will hit you as hard. Um, but uh, this, in my opinion, and I'd love to get your rebuttal, spoiler-free, of course, this is more than just a game. And I think that that is evident in the controversy that's popped up online all over the place uh, some of it that has clearly gone way too far, um, which I'd like to talk to you about that as well. Just, you know, reaction to pop culture and where pop culture is, has gone and wh- how people digest it now. But um, yeah, this is, this is artwork in the, in the highest form of it. I've played a lot of video games. I have a very strong opinion about a lot of video games. A lot of them have affected me and stayed with me and become some of my favorite stories. But this to me stands above all others. Trevor? Wow. Well, that's a uh, that's a very definitive take. I don't want to say it's a hot take necessarily because we we it's it's yeah it's it's scratching the surface. And if anybody listening 
is familiar on some level with The Last of Us, either of those games, then you understand, I think, how nuanced and in-depth those games go. Why I think a statement like that, uh, that it's your favorite game of all time or that it's it's beyond a game, it's... It, to say it's art and it's this experience, somebody might listen to that and 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 do a heavy eye roll and and be like, "What the fuck?" and not be able to relate. But it truly is something that needs to be experienced to understand it. Because you could talk all day about video games uh, and how fun those are, how addicting they can be, uh, the most memorable ones, the hardest ones, the dumbest ones, etc. But yeah, there is something special and there was something unique about The Last of Us as a title. And I, I say for I, I would consider the first and second part in that, that if your experience is only the first one, or that's part of the problem, unfortunately, when it comes to recording these and, and having this conversation sometimes, because Shane, our, our other piece, our other slice of the pie, has only like barely scratched the surface of the first one. Um, so he's going to really have to get up to speed and maybe we can make a, have fun video sessions of that or something. Who knows? Maybe we could, you know, force him to have to play it at night, you know, in a secluded <laughs> room while we spray him with water or something. Just, just, to- just don't go out once Shane, just, just don't go to the bar directly after work once and yeah. sit down and play these games. It should only take you. I mean, if you really plug away at it, if you're serious about it, want to get it done as fast as possible, you could probably beat the first one in what three Three days. I mean, you could sit down yes. in one sitting. Like, yes, you can. Like, if if you yes, at the rate of, in which people digest shows, and we've talked about that numerous times as well, uh, at the way in which shows are cranked out and, and digested, and the way our world is designed these days, there's it's fully acceptable and reasonable that you could devour the Last of Us Part One and Part Two in a week. Like, if you just did, Oof, that, yeah, that would be that you would be have a, a hell of a week. You would need yeah. to go <laughs> yeah. some fucking therapy after for sure. Mm-hmm. But, but it's doable, right? Because if if like a if a hit show came out like Game of Thrones or something, people would wouldn't wait. They wouldn't wait to devour. Right. It. They would just they would plow through it. And and similarly, I attacked this game because I knew there were there were. And this is as spoiler free as I can do it, you know, justice for now. I knew there were going to be things about the game. I just that that were there. I just I you know what I mean. Like I just had this feeling like this is going to happen. I don't know how or when, but I know it's right. going to happen. And and I also knew this game is going to be great. Like I I may not even like parts of it and we can argue about certain segments and i might even say here tonight on this recording that i don't necessarily like certain segments of it but there is no denying the greatness of that game and those were kind of things i sort of knew and accepted coming into it um in a way just because i've i also yeah you're right i'm not i'm not a casual gamer i mean i'm not a i'm not a hardcore gamer by any means i i know on the spectrum i'm i'm pretty mild by all by by all sorts of standards by 14 year old korean standards yeah that's what i meant that's what i was referring to thank you <laughs> yeah um, but 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 i am addicted to naughty dog games and i'm very loyal to brands and things that i like and i've been playing naughty dog games for a long time and uh, i'm without with ever with no hesitation without doubt it's always like they're coming out with a game i'm buying it mm-hmm. and um and so they they didn't let me down, though there's there are parts of me that maybe are frustrated, you know. I'll okay. put it that way. 
Okay. Um, okay, then b- before we, we jump into the spoiler talk to get to the specifics of, of what frustrated you, which I am very interested to hear about, um, let's just really quickly touch on the vitriol that this game had received even before it was released, because I'm sure you're aware, um, Trevor, that there were some significant leaks online from a disgruntled employee that came out before the game launched that spoiled some uh, fairly, I've since I've beaten the game. I went back to see what the leaks were and I wouldn't say it would have ruined the experience for me, but I certainly would have not have gotten the same experience had I known those spoilers going into it. And uh, apparently some people that caught wind of those spoilers before starting the game, judged the game purely on that alone that, Oh, you're going to do this with it. Then that case, I hate it. Um, you'll, there's nothing you can do to redeem this for me. If that's the choice that the studio Naughty Dog is making to, for, with this franchise, then you guys completely are slapping the fan base in, in the face and all this other bullshit, right? I think that that is kind of symptomatic of a greater issue outside of video games is just how people today, and, and I, I do believe that it is a very vocal minority. I don't, by any stretch of the imagination, think that this is a um, common thing. It seems to be prevalent on the internet, but it's just a much more vocal minority of people that feel that the world revolves around them and their taste, and they want more of a fast food kind of delivered on a silver plate what they want kind of experience. And this is a game, again, with no spoilers, that sets out with the agenda to challenge you. Not on a skill level, which it it does do that as well, depending on what difficulty you play on, but on a narrative level. This is not an experience or story that you can ever say is formulaic, that you're like, oh, okay, normally speaking, when you watch a movie or even play a video game or whatever, you know about three quarters of the way and there's going to be the, the hero, the protagonist is going to be at their lowest point, but they're going to really pull it together with whatever skills or advice that they receive from the rest of the, the movie or experience or game or whatever, and they're going to beat the bad guy at the end, right? This is a very, very realistic, grounded take on what the world would really be like in a post-apocalyptic situation, what, what it turns people into. And I think that people that were just expecting another hero's journey type story um, were upset by the news of the spoilers. And then even if they even tried to play this game, when it does not do what it wants, what they wanted it to do, they just responded with ludicrous things like death threats on act uh, voice actors mm-hmm. or the, the the game's director neil Druckmann. um i don't think that this game is going to be remembered 10 15 20 years down the line for that and for the reaction that i think those people will be long forgotten right. um but still it it it's worth discussing um well, I, I would agree with you a lot on much of what you said it was very well said and um yeah, that's it's been well documented. All that stuff, uh, the the death threats and the absurdity of that, and the sort of symptomatic nature that that we've gotten so comfortable with conversing with people online that it's easy to say things that sound sensationalized and clickbaity. And I'm gonna fucking kill you. And it's like, no, nobody would say these things in the same room with people ninety percent of the time. <laughs> right? You know, it's just ridiculous. Uh, but everybody everybody has that voice. Everybody has that access, unfortunately. So we have to accept some sort of a loss there, I guess, on some level. And on another level, 
you know, it's why I have always been drawn to stories uh, and creators like David Lynch. And again, don't want to be a broken record, but Farscape, for example, that we've mentioned, because while they can be similar to other more established things we know, they don't always present the story in that here's the nice little bow on it. It's often why I like Christopher Nolan, because most of his endings and most of his stories leave you thinking and wondering and filling in the blanks for yourself. I, I have much more respect for stories that are not going to spoon feed you things and guide you along a tried and true path. It's often why I bitch and moan about the Marvel machine and the Disney product, because as fantastic and glorious as those movies are, and, and everybody looks the best that they've ever looked ever in their life doing those movies, uh, they often feel very cookie cuttery and formulaic. And um, I would agree I, with you on that. I, I, I want to take the moment to say right now, my delivery is about to get here. So I want to throw this out there to you. Do we want to, stop this recording and wrap this up and then tease that the next week's episode is going to be your spoiler episode of the last of us so that you and I can come back and yeah. continue this talk, but that the, the spoiler last of us talk will be its own segment or its own episode unto itself. So we sure we can, we way. can, we can, we can do that. Definitely. Hopefully, you know, you listener come back to, to hear spoilers for the last of us too. come back for spoilers. Yes. We'll be right back after these messages. Thank you. 